The Black and Gold Banneret Podcast is brought to you by the Unger Real Estate Group, brokered by EXP Realty, proudly serving Orange, Seminole, and Lake Counties. Call 407-790-9957 or visit WeSellOrlando.net. Welcome to the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. Jeff Sharon, Eric Lopez, Luke Saris joining you here. This is show number 120, and we are back on the regular rotation. It's Wednesday, August 29th that we're recording this on the eve of UCF football's opener against the UConn Huskies. Gentlemen, it's finally here. Aren't you excited? It almost doesn't I'm, feel real. <laughs> I thought for a minute you guys were going to be like, yay. <laughs> <laughs> it's been, well, it, yeah. so, much, so much off-season national championship drama and, and all that focus is it's just hard to believe that that the 28th season is finally here lopez i know you've been looking forward to this let's just kick it off already i'm <laughs> enough talking <Nobody laughs> hates you. it's what we do just make a nobody. lot of nonsense jabber and predictions it doesn't matter like four three weeks from now nobody nobody hates the offseason more than eric lopez um all right, so uh remember that you can hit us up at black we are sb nation's home for your UCF nights, we have um, just so much flipping content that's out there right now leading up to this game over the last two weeks. It's really insane. Uh, Luke's got his preview of the game up. We all made our season predictions on UCF, what they would do. That's all up there. Uh, we have uh, the last of our five questions um, uh, that are up there as well. Uh, my gosh, it's just been it's just been so much. We actually asked five questions of our guest tonight, um, who we will have on Aman Kidwai of the Yukon blog, which is also uh, part of the SB Nation network. Um, he will be on a little bit later to help us preview the game set for Thursday night between UCF and Yukon. Blackandgoldbanneret.com is where you want to go. Hit us up on Facebook, black, uh, facebook.com slash blackandgoldbanneret, and on Twitter at UCF underscore banneret. And you can follow us individually at Jeff underscore Sharon. Uh, Eric Lopez Elo and Luke Saris SBN. By the way, Brian would be joining us, except he's on that midnight plane to Hartford. So um, he will be covering the game uh, in uh, in Connecticut as UCF begins their season ranked number 21 in the Associated Press poll, 23 in the coaches poll, uh, and they will face the UConn Huskies on Thursday night. All right, let's set the scene here, boys. ESPNU, 7 p.m. Thursday night. This game got moved up to accommodate television. Um, and just to get the defending national champs, I guess, on Thursday night, right? So why not? Um, unusual in that UCF is starting on the road in a conference game. Josh Heupel gets, gets the nod for his first uh, head coaching uh, experience. Uh, at, at, at any at any level, um, and he faces off against uh, Randy Edsel's team. Edsel in his second stint uh, at UConn. Edsel is seventy seven and seventy nine all time uh, as the head coach of the Huskies. He's in his second year of his second term there uh, after coming back to UConn from uh, Maryland. The Knights are coming off a thirteen game uh, win streak and. Here the, I, I, I'm struck by how odd this is. You know, usually we're used to, um, was it last year, F, the FIU game was a Thursday night. Is that right? Yep. Yeah, so that was the opener last night. We're always used to that or, um, 
or an FCS team coming into town to start. But here you start on the road in a conference game. Um, Eric, do you see, by the way, we just got word actually that the team's flight was delayed two and a half hours heading out of heading out of Orlando International. Um, but is this a little weird? Do you think that it might be just it's just a strange twenty? You don't get that sort of warm up game against an FCS opponent. Well, I mean, it's not like the first team ever to play a conference game to start the season. I mean, other teams are playing top twenty five games to start the season. I mean, true, but it's a little so weird, I, I, isn't it? Not really. I mean, it's happened before. I mean, I remember when Miami and Florida State opened the season in the ACC. I mean, it happens from time to time. I mean, last year, UCF and Memphis was scheduled to play in week two. So, mm-hmm. I mean, week one, week two. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, yeah, I think you would probably prefer, I think, depending on the team, I think you'd prefer to have a tune-up, especially if you're a young team. But, you know, this team is experienced, and, and it's got a lot of veterans, come, players coming back that have played in these games before. And quite frankly, I would rather play UConn in August than in October or November. So I, I would take yeah. the trade if I'm UCF. You had the choice playing opening night at UConn or playing in October and November. Boy, you're not joking about the weather. The weather's supposed to be really nice in the 60s uh, and clear. No rain expected in the forecast in East Hartford. Luke, what about you? What do you think? I mean, um, you know, obviously you're starting off with a, a conference opponent, but it's not like we have – Memphis or, or Houston to, to start off the schedule. Um, I don't want to take any credit away from, from UConn, but um, I, I feel like this is, if we're going to start the, the, the schedule off with a conference game, we got real lucky that we're starting off, starting it off with UConn. And especially, you know, like you guys mentioned um, that 2014 season, I believe it was when, when we lost 37, 29 in East Hartford mm-hmm. on that rainy cold day. I think the weather did have a, a big effect on the team. So um, I am happy to be up there uh, this early um, in the season before, you know, that Connecticut weather gets rough. Yeah, the weather likely won't be a factor really in many games for UCF at all. Remember, they have the they don't leave the state of Florida after October, I think, 21st, is it? October 20th at ECU. So, um, uh, the only UCF- weather that can affect us is is Mother Nature. uh itself here in florida yeah that's true that's true unless there's rain along the line you know um at uh either at chapel hill or memphis or ecu but um ucf leads the overall series against uconn three to two the knights have won two straight um 49 24 was the score last year uh at uh ucf um in a game where uh and you mentioned this luke in your preview that for a little while there was a little dicey wasn't it? You know, especially in the first half, and then UCF kind of did what they what everyone expected them to do, and just pulled away and throw. You know, put the put the pedal to the metal and 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 put the game away. But a um, couple guys who returned for uh, UConn, David Pendel, the quarterback, is back uh, for them. He's a senior this year. He kind of struggled last year, obviously, but a little bit more experience underneath his belt. Uh, and uh, and if you're UConn, uh, do you come into this game thinking, man? We got a shot to take down the giant right now, and we're at home, national TV. I, I think they're going to be up for this game. What about you? I um, you know, I, I'm really not sure. I'm, I'm not sure how uh, the mentality of that team is. They've uh, they've struggled for so many seasons. They haven't had a winning season in football since 2010. Yeah. So um, I'm I'm not sure if 
you know, they're they're real hyped and they're going to look at it as, as this big opportunity, which I'm sure they understand the magnitude of the game opening up against the number one, uh, number 21 team in the nation. But, uh, you know, the reality of it is they they're not they're not used to, to f- having that success. So I, I'm, I'm not sure if if the mentality is there. Yeah, and uh, UConn last year was three and nine, two and six in the American. Um, and by the way, that year twenty ten um, was Randy Edsel's last year in his first stint, and they went eight and five. And I think that Eric, correct me if I'm wrong, that was the year they went to the Fiesta Bowl. Is that right? Uh, I don't know if that's the exact year. You would have to look that yeah, up. I do you know he left. For, he, he looked up for Maryland. And the program has struggled. They went. They went with Paul Pasqualoni after that, which was a laughable. Coach P. Um, it was the 2011 Bob, Tostitos Fiesta Bowl, by the way. That was Edsel's last year. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, that's when people started realizing that the Big East was absolute garbage in football. Um, <laughs> so you know, you would talk about Pasqualoni and then Bob Diaco. The program has struggled. I mean, I, I will say that Edsel did a good job at UConn. The problem is. He's in his second season, and you could get. Are they going to be excited? They're going to be amped up. Absolutely. However, when you get hit right off the bat with a tackle, that kind of goes away. When you give up a touchdown at about a minute, that's going to go away. So, and I think that's the issue. They just don't have the material on the field to match up with UCF uh, in reading and listening and ta- uh, uh, people talk out of UConn. They're they don't don't expect a big crowd to uh, on Thursday. Uh, there's not really a lot of interest in this football program. That's a basketball school. And that's something I want to get into more in depth uh, when we talk uh, with our UConn people because that's a challenging job for Etzo, and that is really that's a school that really only cares about football. Maybe like when they jump on the bandwagon, mm-hmm. that I've been up there. I've been up there. I can tell you firsthand that's a basketball area. That's a basketball school. Number one and number two. I mean, I would argue that the women's basketball program is just as more popular than the football, probably more. Um, and that community is a pro town. There's a lot of New York Giant fans, a lot yeah. of Patriot fans, a lot of Red Sox fans, a lot of Yankees fans. <laughs> that's the ch- you know. And I'm telling you, and I always explain this to people that have not been to the Northeast. I've spent a ton of time in the Northeast. You have as well, Jeff. I don't know, Luke, if you've ever been to the Northeast, but a college football is barely an afterthought up there. And it's tough to generate enthusiasm up there, and it's not there in UConn. And that's the challenge that Randy Etzel has. So I don't even think people are that fired up about playing UCF on a Thursday night in football. I think they're more interested in – Okay, what are the Yankees and Red Sox doing up there? Or hey, how is our basketball team's going to look like in about a couple of months? Yeah, outside of um, Notre Dame, really, there's not much attention, especially when you're talking about like the New York metropolitan area. And it's it's funny, like you you know when I I grew up, I was originally from New Jersey, grew up in New Jersey and New York. Um, th- they call it the tri-state area, which is New York, New Jersey, Connecticut. Pro sports is number one, number two, all the way down to number fifteen in in that area. The and the only college football team that anyone really cares about is is Notre Dame. Really, I mean, no, no one else really cares about anything college football related. A couple of people, some Big Ten schools, but that's about it. You know, more people, care, I think, in the Northeast care about college basketball than they do about college yep. football. You know, because that goes back to the days of the Big East when it was good in basketball, St. John's and you know Syracuse and and uh, when all the and when you had before the you know in the old Big East, but 
one of the other things that's interesting, you know, the Yukon campus is so far removed from their home field, Rensselaer Field. It's a it's a twenty four yep. mile drive on an interstate. Yep. It takes about a half hour without traffic to get there. It's it's worse than if UCF was still playing in the Citrus Bowl. I mean, that's less than a ten mile drive. So everything is you know very far removed from the camp from campus consciousness, including the football team stadium as a whole. What about on the UCF side though, Eric? Um, any chance of nerves from Josh Heupel? I mean, yeah, of course. I think you always have players and coaches will have nerves in the first games. That's why I think a lot of times you'll see a lot of penalties in the first game. I think usually what I've always kind of explained that is a lot of people are nerves. You're kind of trying to work on some things. So I, I would not be surprised if it's a sloppy game. From a penalty standpoint, just because it's nerves, you're trying some different things. It's the first game of the year. You got some butterflies. You know, you're antsy. You don't know what to expect. You're the opponent you're playing. You don't really know because you know it's not like during the season when you have tape on them from their from the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, this one, you're really basically banking on tape from maybe some tendencies from last year or the years before that. Uh, you know, which works both ways. I mean, one of the challenges UConn has is this is a completely new staff. So you, so while you try to do some tendencies uh, from UCF last year, there might be completely new tendencies. Same thing on the other side. You don't know if Randy Etzel is going to try some different things. I know right. they, they got a lot of young defensive players. So, yeah, I think there'll be some nerves. I think there are always going to be some nerves. But, um, you know, I think that's why the, the, the college game takes uh, – it's, it's a marathon. So I, I – could they get off to a slow start? Yeah, I could see that. But as time goes on, I think talent wins out. And I think that's kind of what, uh, at the end, I, I think Hypo will be fine from a play calling standpoint. And he has an experienced staff that has been through this before. So I, I think that will help him in this process as opposed to really in comparison, you know, when Scott Frost took over and he had a lot of staff guys that hadn't coached at a high level. I remember that. I mean, people mm-hmm. forget. When Frost took over, a lot of people were like, wow, I don't know about that hire. I don't know about that guy, and kind of worked out. So it, it's interesting, and Hypo, at least on paper, has more experienced guys that have been through this before. So I don't think that's going to be a huge factor, uh, at least in this game. It could down maybe down the road in a big game or maybe in a fourth quarter situation, but I don't think it'll be in this game. You know, uh, I was looking back at Scott Frost's first game, and that was a home game against South Carolina State. Um. And the first four scores for UCF were all field goals. They were up 12 nothing, with 10 minutes to go in the second quarter. And I remember there was a little bit of a, a little bit of grumbling in the stands at that point. Like, what's the matter with us? Why can't we score? Then Justin Holman ran in a touchdown before halftime. It was 18 to nothing because they missed a two-point conversion. Um, and then everyone kind of breathed a sigh of relief. Three more touchdowns the rest of the way, and then that was pretty much it. 38 nothing was the final there. Um, what about you, Luke? It, it, you know, what, do you sense that? Um, well, let me ask you this: What are you looking for UCF to do in this game that would make you say, "Okay, we're going to be all right"? Honestly, I think you know I'm looking for a similar performance, uh, similar to how we we performed last year against FIU. I remember watching that game, um, and we weren't really sure. You know, nobody at that time at uh, knew what was going to happen that season that we we're going to go undefeated, but I remember some of the, the play calls and and that FIU defense just it looked so inexperienced and so out of place. Mm-hmm. And and I think it's going to be very similar with the youth UConn has at defense. So I mean, I definitely expect us 
to um, you know hit the ground running. I, I think we're going to uh, open up the playbook uh, sooner rather than later and, and, and get some points on the board. The, the thing that I'm most interested to see is how this UConn offense performs against uh, Randy Shannon's defense. Mm-hmm. Last year, you know, they – they had more yards and and our uh, no they didn't have more yards they had more first downs and over four hundred yards against against our defense. Right. Granted, we you know we were playing um, you know that was our seventh game I believe uh, without a break. But Pendle, I mean he he had a good game against us, and that was only one of four starts he had last season. Right. It was. Um, I mean UCF jumped out twenty one three in the first. UConn got within 28 to was it 28-17 I think at one point in the um in the third that was a score the score going into the, the fourth yeah that, that was a score going into the at, into the fourth and UCF it dropped another 21 on them at the end of the at the end of the game but um but yeah I, I do remember it being a little like a little hairy right um for a yeah, little... I think you're really. I I, I scored. <laughs> I, I I scored stats for that game. I don't know, Luke. Were you at that game? I was working stats for that game. I, I don't remember admit... at one. I don't remember at one point saying, "Uh oh, I'm really worried about this game." You know what? When you run the type of offense that UCF did last year, mm-hmm. and probably will run this year, they had moments where they just weren't clicking. Like they would get off and score two, three touchdowns. Luke, you can expand on this. And then they would go a couple of drives where they just go three and outs and they'd kind of be stuck on neutral. And you're like, oh, you know, that's going to happen. You're going to have some misfires. But then they clicked on. And that's, um, you know, I think that's kind of what happened in that UConn game. I don't think personally they were that interested in that game. I don't think they took UConn very seriously at that game. Uh, I was trying to remember. They Didn't they just had come off a road win against SMU uh, prior to that, which was a tight game? UCF did. Yeah, that was the game right after the yeah. SMU game. Yeah, so I, I think they were just – and plus, remember, that was a noon game. Mm-hmm. It was not a good crowd at home. It was a very lethargic uh, atmosphere uh, compared to what we would see later in the year <laughs> against <laughs> South Florida and uh, Memphis. And I think that kind of rubbed off on the players, and I thought they were all kind of lethargic. And I think even I remember being in the locker room; even some of them kind of acknowledged that a little bit. Yeah, and that that was right when we thought that you know maybe not having that bye week around that time was starting to take its toll because um, I think it was was it the week when was that Austin P game? That was um, October twenty eighth, wasn't it? I think so. Yeah, and then the UCF UConn game. Um, I'm trying to pull up the schedule from UCF for last year. I can't. Yeah, they up. played Austin. Yeah, P. it was was supposed to be in their bye week, and it right. wasn't. Uh, so they, they should so, have been you know. fresher than they were heading into that game. But this game right I, here. I oh, go ahead, Eric. I'm sorry. Well, well, let me say. Let me. And then I want Luke's thoughts on this. What I'm interested in is how Hypo will call the game compared to what Scott Frost would call. Because we've heard a lot, Luke, about more vertical passing. Uh, what's your thoughts on? It? Are you buying that? Do you think that's legit? They're going to go more vertical. You think that's just coach talk? I'm, I think that's the thing I'm more fascinated is to see how different is Josh Heupel, the play caller, to Scott Frost, the play caller, and how that affects Mackenzie Milton. I, I, I honestly, just by looking at Heupel's track record, I, I do think he's going to be uh, expecting you know Mackenzie to step up in the pocket and make those deep throws more than uh, Frost did. You know Frost really had a variation of, of that traditional option offense, 
you know, Jeff uh, mentioned, they ran the ball 54% of the time last season. Um, one thing McKenzie has said is that, you know, uh, Heupel, what he brings to the table is making him a better pocket passer. And he wants to be more patient in the pocket rather than, you know, trying to make a, a plays with his feet. And I think we're going to see that, you know, if there's a if there's a defense you want to really test that out against, it's a defense that doesn't even have a single senior starter and has four freshman starters, three of them being true freshmen. Um, I, I think I really do think you can get ahead, out of hand real quick. Yep, yeah. I agree. I agree with that. And I think you make a great point. And I think this is going to be a storyline this year, how McKenzie throws from the pocket. And I think this is a, a you talk about a storyline prediction here. I think is if he excels with hypo as far as throwing the ball in the pocket, I think you're going to start seeing hearing whispers about Mackenzie Milton in the NFL draft. I actually recently hmm. filled in on local radio in Orlando and on the drive time show in the finish line on 96.9, the flagship of there. And I, I talked to Dane Brugler, who's an NFL draft guy. And I'm actually going to write about this probably. Uh, next week. Right now, it's so hectic with the opener, but possibly in the, near, in the future. And I asked him flat out about him, uh, Mackenzie Milton, and his prospects in the NFL. And he thinks that he's got a great – this is a big year for him from that standpoint. If he can prove that he could throw from the pocket, because certainly the critics the NFL will say, well, his height. His height is certainly an issue. Well, you look at a Baker Mayfield got drafted high despite his height. Russell Wilson's had success with his despite his height. Drew Brees is not the biggest guy ever. I think if Mackenzie Milton excels from the pocket and makes – because in the NFL, you have to be productive from the pocket. You're not going to be able to be successful in the NFL with your legs. And I think if Mackenzie Milton could show that – I mean, Brugler said he's impressed with the way he throws the football. And he was the uh, – he won the – I think the award in the Manning Academy, yeah. uh, which has a lot of the top quarterbacks. I would not be surprised – if you start hearing McKenzie Milton NFL draft buzz a little bit and, and maybe and, and sort of the hot, you know, we're in this hot debate uh, era, if you will, the debate about Milton's height versus just throwing the football. I think he could become a topic as far as can he be uh, an NFL quarterback, because I think there's more and more people that like him. And I think a lot more people will pay attention for him from that standpoint and kind of like a little bit like Blake Bortles. You remember how that kind of snuck up on everybody mm-hmm. his last year where no, before you know it, you're playing South Carolina and Brian Greasy's doing the game and they're analyzing them as an NFL prospect. And you're like, get out of here. Next thing you know, he declared and he, I mean, he ended up number three pick. I'm not saying that's going to happen with Milton, but I do. I could see a scenario where as we watch a lot of these games on TV, that conversation about can McKenzie Milton be an NFL caliber quarterback, I think becomes part of the narrative. Yeah. Well, one, th- one of the things that I think is rather telling, and we're going to see probably much of the same things. Yeah. And Luke, you have this on your preview highlights. You know, now, Josh Heupel has played UConn before last year when he was the offensive coordinator at Mizzou. Uh, the Tigers went into Hartford and, beat UConn up. 52-12 to 12 was the final. That was October 29th of last year. Drew Locke in that game, with Heupel calling the shots, um, had probably his best game of the year. He was 31-37 of 37 for 377 yards and five touchdowns. This game, the, uh, okay, the line opened at 16.5 for UCF. It has since jumped to 
23 and a half or 24, depending on where you look. Bovada has it at 24. Uh, a couple of the other houses have it at 23 and a half. Um, Luke, I'll start with you. You think UCF covers this game? Uh, without a doubt. The thing that the most interesting part um, with with the lines and, and Vegas is that they have the, the over-under at this game set at 74. Um, I'm not sure how many points they're expecting UCF to score, but I I really don't think we're going to see much from from the UConn offense. The 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 thing that hurt us, well, it didn't really hurt us. I mean, we UCF won pretty convincingly last year, but Pendle he he rushed for 96 yards. He he almost had 100 yards rushing. Um, I think with with the 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 four down front, it's going to be uh, it's going to create a lot more pressure where we're not going to see that same kind of performance, but. You, you, you can never tell. This is a guy who could ha- turn out to have a really great season. So um, if I if I was a betting man, I would I would take the over, without a doubt. But um, that that over under, uh, you know, I I don't I think I would take the under on that. I'm trying to I'm trying to do my old algebra. Let's see two two x minus twenty four. I was going to try, but not my 90. not my forte. The thing you got to worry about is if UCF plays a bunch of backups and they kind of give up some late scores. That's kind of how this works sometimes where you get beat that way. Sometimes teams the, the old theory the backdoor cover. Uh sometimes teams kind of score late when the game's out of hand and you know they kind of cover the spread or maybe cover the over under. Uh and you know that could be the case. I think you know what you said the numbers in the over unders in the 70s. Well, I mean if UCF let's say scores 55, which I don't think is that unreasonable. Uh, the average 48, let's say they score 55. Well, UConn only really has to score, what, uh, 20 points to cover the spread at that point, which, you know, th- sounds like a lot. But when you think about it, if UCF's got this game way out of hand and backups mm-hmm. are playing against Connecticut starters, they could get a couple cheap scores in the fourth quarter and cover the spread. So, uh, Or UCF could get to the 60s, which I don't even think is that crazy. Right. Um so, you know, I think that's the number, uh, you know, obviously everybody's on UCF. I would certainly would not pay if, if weather was a factor, I would kind of consider it. Uh, but the weather is going to be good. Um, yeah. So, yeah, obviously I've already been on record. I think this is a blowout and, and uh, I would be very dis- surprised and disappointed if, quite frankly, if this game's not over at halftime, quite frankly. Right. Well, I've got. Uh, all right. So my algebra skills from high school have not failed me. Um, did the math. If, if you're taking a, was it 74 over under, you said, Luke? Yep. And if you're doing 24 as the line, I know some have it at 23 and a half, that means that Vegas thinks the score is going to be 49 to 25. So almost identical to last year's right. score? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. So, yeah. so yeah. All right. So, that, so that's what we're looking for there. All right. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to take a quick break. When we return... We will have Aman Kidwai from the UConn blog uh, joining us to talk UConn. We'll talk uh, about the football team coming in, Randy Edsel, uh, and we'll shoot the breeze a little bit about like whether or not there is a state of rivalry between UCF and UConn, <laughs> and maybe if they have found the, the uh, conflict trophy. Remember that thing? So we'll talk about that in a little bit and more when we return. This is the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. The Black and Gold Banneret Podcast is brought to you by the Unger Real Estate Group, brokered by EXP Realty. Sam Unger and his team proudly serve Orange, Seminole, and Lake Counties, specializing in buying, selling, and new construction. 
He's a proud UCF graduate, class of 2006, and he's got a special deal going on right now for the 2018 football season. Night fans, if you work with Sam as your realtor, he will rebate you up to $750 at closing. So if you're ready to buy a new home or sell your current home, upgrade or downsize, Sam and his team have you covered so you can find the right home at the right price in the right location. So give them a call right now at 407-790-9957. Again, that's 407-790-9957. Or visit them on the web at WeSellOrlando.net. Again, that's WeSellOrlando.net. You can also reach them on Facebook at Facebook.com slash we sell Orlando. Get in touch with the Unger Real Estate Group today and make finding your dream home a reality. Hello, Night Nation. I'm Andrew Fegley. And I'm Trey Strelko. Um, uh, um, where are we? This isn't our usual spot. It looks like we've landed in the Black and Gold Banneret podcast. Oh, yeah. I've, I've heard of those guys. You know, Nightline has UCF sports covered. Week in and week out, we bring you interviews with newsmakers and in-depth analysis of UCF sports. Subscribe to our weekly podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to subscribe to Nightline on YouTube, like us on Facebook, and follow us on Twitter at UCF underscore Nightline. Trace, can we go back to the 1148 studios now and start working on our next all-new Nightline? How do we get out of here? Go Knights! Charge on! Now back to you guys in the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. Welcome back to the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. Jeff Sharon, Eric Lopez, Luke Saris with you. We're at blackandgoldbanneret.com, facebook.com slash blackandgoldbanneret, and UCF underscore Banneret on Twitter, and you can also uh, subscribe to this podcast on uh, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and tune in. All right, we've been talking about UCF and UConn on Thursday night, and joining us now, uh, well, this is one of the cool things about being uh, the new kid on the block at SB Nation is everyone uh, is always so kind to help us out, and all of a sudden we have this plethora of people that we can talk to about any team in the country if we wanted. And uh, and joining us now from the Yukon blog, the yukonblog.com, SB Nation's home for the Yukon Huskies, is Aman Kidwai. Aman, how are you? Welcome to the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. And uh, how's everything going? I know you're in Washington, D.C. Uh, has it, uh, is it now no longer like swamp conditions up there, or is it still hot? No, it is. It is super hot here. It's it's actually Florida-esque uh, up here these days. Um, but I'm doing very well. Thank you so much for having me. Cool. And, uh, it, well, here we are. Thursday night opener in conference in Rensselaer Field. Uh, UCF defending its 2017 national championship. Um, right on. And, and, yeah, we're actually going to call it that. Uh, <laughs> Uh, against uh, against your UConn Huskies and Randy Etzel in the second year of his second term um, at UConn. You know, coming off of last year, um, obviously a struggle making the transition from Bob Diaco to back to Randy Etzel, basically. Um, mm-hmm. What is the outlook for the Huskies on the gridiron this year coming in? Are the, are the expectations starting to raise a little bit? Or, I mean, well, are there expectations for UConn football? Yeah, so I'd say this year there are still low expectations for the team um maybe edsel has built that in a little bit with some of the youth across the death chart that was recently released but um you know i think even before that 
it was pretty apparent that this was um, just really another hardcore rebuilding year. Um, not one, not not too different from last year, uh, you know, unfortunately. So uh, a lot of the problems which existed on last year's team, we don't have a ton of reason to believe are going to be significantly better. Um, but yeah, I think, I think right now it's going to be looking for new guys who can emerge and show potential to be really good players, uh, you know, one, two, three years down the road. UConn's last winning season was Edsel's last year in 2010 before he mm-hmm. left for Maryland. And that was the year that, I, that, that you guys went to the Fiesta Bowl to play Oklahoma. And it seemed like things were starting to turn the corner and then he leaves and then everything kind of fell apart. Is there, is there, but now we've seen with several programs before, like, you know, when a guy comes back second time around, sometimes it's not as great. Um, mm-hmm. Is there hope in UConn that Edsel can kind of turn it back around and kind of play it back the way it was from his first tenure? He was there for more than a decade and, and really built that program to something, you know, from you know, barely out of 1AA to, uh, to a, a BCS-level bowl. So um, is there hope that he can recapture the magic? Yeah, I think there's a lot of reason to believe in Randy Etzel's track record at UConn, uh, what he did with relatively unheralded recruits, and uh, the success he was able to have as part of the Big East Conference. Um, you know, I think um, obviously it's a different situation now in the in the AAC. Um, just a little less juice for the fan base in terms of opponents who are visiting and, and, you know, caring about beating them and that kind of thing. And then, um, so I, I think there's, there's, you know, a few differences to the circumstances, but I do think in general, it's, it would be hard to disagree with any of the work that he's done. Uh, what really set UConn back was the hiring of Paul Pascaloni. So it's not necessarily that Edsel left. Um, it's that, is that someone really bad was hired to replace him. Uh, a very, very uninspired retread hire that most fans from the get-go were not excited by and, and really didn't move the dial. And then when he was not successful, um, you know, two straight five and seven seasons followed by uh, an 0-4 start, uh, it, was, it was pretty easy to let him go. And um, all of this is to say, you know, so, some other coach could be successful. It's not that Randy Edsel is the only person who could be successful, but... Um, given the Diaco buyout, uh, the hefty Bob Diaco buyout that UConn paid, um, Randy Etzel came at the right price. He was available. He knew the program extremely well. Um, and again, he's he's running it in a different way than he did before. So I think that's what's been most promising, particularly on the offensive side of the ball. What's the timeline as far as getting this team maybe to a bowl game? Is this year an expectation to get a bowl game? Or do people understand that maybe this is a three, you know, takes three or four years maybe to build this up to maybe being a bowl program if it gets to that point? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think some people think it can be a bowl team this year and um, cr- crazier things have happened than uh, a team expected to be really, you know, really low in its conference, you know, reaching six and six. That's not. Uh, the craziest thing to happen in college football. So um, it's it's certainly possible this year, but uh, I would not say that it is fits within the you know mean of ex, of expectations or um, anything like that. 
I think that would be next year where it's it's saying, okay, you've been playing freshmen and sophomores for two years now. These guys are juniors and seniors. Now it's time to really win more games than you lose, buddy. And so I think by next year there will be those kinds of expectations, and reasonable fans this year are hoping to see marked progress. In terms of the quarterback position, um, I'm curious. Um, do you think uh, David Pendill is going to be the, the, the guy – throughout the entire season. Um, I'm not sure if you know, but uh, Washington, the the announced backup, was actually a UCF commit. He's from the Orlando area. Yeah. Um, yeah, Washington was a big recruit for, for UConn, for sure, and um, that he stayed through an offensive coordinator transition, uh, which uh, may have been significant to him, is, is uh, nice. Um, I think... If UConn is is what has the kind of record we think they're going to have, you know, seven, eight, nine weeks into the season, um, it makes sense to start looking at what you have in the future and for the future, um, and giving Washington a shot or one of the other players. So there's another redshirt freshman, um, Jordan McAfee, and then a, a true freshman. Uh, Steve Krajewski from who was a three-star recruit from Georgia. So, um, I, I, I would be surprised if he finishes the season, um, just because it's, it's not, it's, I'm not expecting it to, like I said, I'm not expecting it to be a, a, a banner year on the win-loss column. Looking at this game on Thursday night, this is really a big opportunity for UConn. You know, it's a Thursday night nationally televised game to start the college football season. UCF is the first ranked team to take the field this weekend. You know, we can talk about the defending national championship, whatnot, and all that, but the fact is this team's coming off a 13-game winning streak, undefeated undefeated uh, season last year, and they're heading up to Hartford to play UConn in a conference game in the first game of the year. What is the level... Uh, does you or do UConn fans sense the opportunity here? Is there is there a buzz happening around this game? Um, I think there's a buzz. It's the start of the season. Um, like you're saying, there's an opponent with some of a somewhat of a national interest to it, and it's a Thursday night game. Um, you know, again, as far as the opportunity for the team, that that sentiment is probably not as high as you might think it is. You know, I, I think there are some things working in UConn's favor that it's a home game. Uh, it's it's UCF's first game with a new head coach. You know, UConn's offense is okay, uh, and maybe with some very good turnover luck and and special teams craziness can can pull something off. You know, so I think it's it's exciting to start the season. It's exciting to have a good opponent. Um, I don't think there's so much sentiment about you know what about the opportunity for the upset. I don't I don't know if there's a ton of conversation around that. Uh, brewing at the moment. Do you think there will be interest back in the football program? You know, um, Joe D'Ambrosio used to be the, was the longtime voice of UConn. There's no longer, but he was on local radio in Orlando and they asked him mm-hmm. about the interest. And he's been told by people he knows, and he's obviously connected, that the ticket sales have not gone well for this game, that there's not a, a lot of excitement from a ticket sale standpoint. He said that Look, I mean, anybody, and I've been up there. I've been up there, to, and I know it's a big basketball school, and there's a fan base that 
honestly wishes they were in the Big East. So my question is, can this can fans ever get excited? Can Randy Etzel do something to get the fans excited about football, or is football just going to be kind of like the we'll we'll follow them until basketball starts, and then we'll just focus on basketball? Yeah, well, I I think um, you mentioned earlier that it hadn't been a winning season since since 2011, so that's that's going to wear on you. And then as I also as I had mentioned earlier, um, there's just a little bit less. Um, you know, kind of, uh, you know, it's for lack of a better, just, just pure hate, you know, like UConn fans really hate Syracuse. They really hate Pittsburgh. And um, that, that just doesn't exist. Even, even if UCF is very good, you know, even when Houston was very good um, there, there's just not that same hatred for beating Tulsa and East Carolina and Tulane all, you know, all, all due respect to those, those schools, which are all, you know, have done or are doing good things, I think. So um, it's 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 hard to drum up excitement around that. Uh, and then when you add on top of that, that the the team has not been doing well, um, it's just kind of a cumulative effect. I, I think, of course, there's enough support for this team and enough interest. If it becomes uh, and, and the bar, you know, the bar's not super high. Randy Etzel was not averaging a ton of wins in his heyday at UConn, but there were lots of season ticket holders. The stadium was selling out. Uh, so, so it's there. I think fans want to see an entertaining product. Uh, it's at least starting to become that. And if they can surprise some people this year, you know, maybe snag a win against Syracuse, um, you know, decisively beat UMass or something like that. Uh, those honestly would be kind of big, meaningful wins this year. And uh, that can really ignite it quickly. And, and, and I will just add, there was a lot of excitement for the start of the Randy Edsel era. So um, when he was initially hired, it was, it was kind of a tepid initial response, but um, he was able to get Rhett Lashley out of Auburn to be his offensive coordinator. Uh, and that was, a, that was a big name when you're, when you're UConn. You're not expecting somebody like that to co- come over and be the offensive coordinator. And, and he was able to also do really well, um, you know, which which helped develop promise. So um, it's there. The the potential exists. And um, it's it's just it's going to take time to build in Connecticut because there are a lot of <laughs> there are a lot of things working against you from a recruiting perspective, from a conference perspective um, that that you need to work through. So um Randy Etzel has some time, you know, he's, he's got, he's got time on his side, but, um, UConn's definitely walking a fragile line in terms of support. Um, and they need to show that it, it'll move in the right direction pretty soon. I'll All right. leave it at that. All right. Last question for you, mom, before we let you go, um, the freaking trophy, <laughs> where is that thing? What happened to it? Um, Scott Frost and his team just left it on the bench the last time that UCF yeah. was up in Hartford um, in what was called by somebody that I talked to the bossest of moves. Um, what happened to it? Where is it? <laughs> yeah, like like I told you in our in our written Q&A, yeah. I, I feel very certain that Bob Diaco actually locked that thing into a box and threw it into the ocean. <laughs> uh, you know, literally the, the maybe within minutes of um, that press conference where he 
completely loses his composure after saying he's not going to lose his composure. So um, I, I have to imagine he destroyed that thing in some in some way, shape, or form. And I'm very certain it doesn't exist. People disagree with me. Uh, there are there are all sorts of rumors and and message board stuff. Uh, I feel very confident it does not exist. Uh, Bob Diaco is a very proud man, and he, he would not let a relic of his failure uh, exist out in the world like that. Wait, okay, okay. Two follow ups on that. Number one: Does Bob Diaco boat? So, uh, you know, I I I bet Bob Diaco might own a boat. I, I hope for the sake of the entire oceans that he's not he's not the one driving it Ser- seriously <laughs> <laughs> seriously though like like trying to make UCF and UConn a a trophy game was it a in your opinion was it just a bad idea from the word go or a good idea that just never caught on it was a laudable attempt uh, at, at, at generating excitement for a game that otherwise did not have any built-in excitement or attention around it. Um, but I, you know, I really think because he was a bad football coach, that's what really soured that whole thing. Um, I, obviously again, UCF not playing into it, that's fine. That's whatever. But, uh, you know, 2015 was actually a, a good year for UConn. They showed progress. They, they won the con- the civil conflict, but yeah. uh, you know they also they also made a bowl game for the first time since since 2011. So um, you know they they had actually showed some progress there, and nobody was saying you know Bob Diaco crazy person for making up the. Re-. They were saying, all right, he's a crazy person, but he's got the program moving in the right direction, and you know whatever with this rivalry thing. Um, you know the season starts going down the hole, and uh, then it's like, hey man, you got to start. You, you're you're not scoring touchdowns right now in in football games for for entire you know multiples of football games so you got to stop playing up playing up rivalries <laughs> man um and and i think that really broke him uh so uh you know i is it the ideal thing in the world is it the coolest thing in the world no but uh i do think it's something that um you you can't argue that it brought a lot of attention to UConn versus UCF a lot more than than previously had existed, um, and if UConn you know was stayed on that progression, so if instead of instead of the year where they go six and six uh, and followed up with a with a huge just toilet season, instead of if they followed it up with a eight or nine win season, you know that's an interesting game with UConn and UCF and and with a lot of implications for for your national championship and. And you know future future rankings and stuff like that. So um, it it could have become something that starts as a joke and then it kind of whatever and then it lingers and then people you know it it, it had potential. It still has potential. Uh, you know the, we at the UConn blog are are keeping the spirit alive um, <laughs> because it's fun, right? It's it's college football. It's it's weird. It's fun, and we'll we'll always remember it. You know no matter what. So. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a complex, complex saga. Well, sure. they, I, I got to give your guys credit because um, the, uh, the UConn fans sniffed out the, um, the, the apparent imposter that uh, reared its head on social media that uh, people thought that they found the trophy. Um, yeah, but no apparently, way. no, they, they, um, they sniffed that out pretty quickly. 
Um, and by the way, Bob Yako now a defensive analyst at Oklahoma, so at least he landed on his feet over there um, after being the defensive coordinator at Nebraska last year. But um, he went the way with uh, Mike Riley, and now Scott Frost is at Nebraska. So everything comes full circle. All right. Uh, Amon Kedwai from the Yukon blog, theyukonblog.com. Amon, how can people uh, reach out to you and read and hear and see the things that you put out about Yukon? Yeah, uh, I think you got it, www.theyukonblog.com, at the Yukon blog um, for the, the once every couple of days tweet. You can look me up <laughs> at Amon from CT. All right, cool stuff. Thank you so much, Amon. Are you going to be uh, heading up to uh, Hartford for the game? I will not, but uh, the UConn blog will will have two or three folks there, uh, including our video guy. So, gotcha. Um, we'll be fully staffed, and I'll be I'll be at Mission Control. Cool. We'll be uh, we'll be following you uh, on Thursday night as well. Uh, best of luck, stay. Uh, uh, well, I guess it should be a good one on uh, Thursday night. Thanks for the time. Uh, we really appreciate it. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Sounds good. Thank you, guys. All right, thanks again to uh, Aman for joining us again. The UConnBlog.com is where you want to go. Also follow the Yukon blog on Twitter. All right, let's dive into uh, some of the other sports around campus at UCF. Uh, I want to start with volleyball because, hey, I always want to start with volleyball. Um, the uh, Knights got uh, off to, I think, a pretty good start in the Sunshine State Challenge, their first weekend um, in regular season action. Beat Florida Gulf Coast and Florida Atlantic. Uh, in the uh, in the round robin tournament down in Coral Gables before they lost to Miami um, three to nothing, but uh, in the two victories, by the way, um, let's give some credit to uh, McKenna Melville, one of the six uh, freshmen on this team that uh, who performed extremely well in her first uh, in her first tournament. She was named the American Athletic Conference Offensive Player of the Week. Uh, for her performance in the uh, tournament. Um, McKenna was from Minnesota. Uh, I mean, she had a huge um, uh, a huge weekend. She had 19 kills against, F- uh, against Florida Gulf Coast, 16 against FAU, and then 20 against Miami um, in, uh, I- in a match that, e- even though Miami won, UCF did hit over uh, 300 in that match. It's just Miami was just that much better. That much better. They're going to. They're probably going to challenge for the ACC. So uh, UCF is off to a two and one. Now they've got a very tough tournament coming up, fellas. Um, they uh, go to Gainesville Friday, Saturday, Sunday. They've got Louisville, uh, who's one of the favorites in the ACC. USC, who comes in number ten, and Florida, who comes in number seven in the ABCA coaches poll. So this is. Just like we talked about with Coach Todd Dagenay in our uh, season preview on BlackAndGoldBanneret.com, he is sick and tired of the RPI just keeping UCF down. So he loaded up the schedule. This is going to be a tough, tough weekend for them coming in. But, Eric, I know you have thoughts on the RPI and everything. Um, I, I kind of don't blame him. Do you? <laughs> no, but he's got to find a way to win one of these matches because if he doesn't, the only way he's going to make the tournament more than likely is going to be to win the conference. See, the yeah. problem, volleyball is a totally different animal. The American Conference two years ago was a multiple-bid league. Other than that, it's been a one-bid league. You look at the league this year, the big story is the return of Jordan Thompson, who's probably the best player in the in the league by mm-hmm. far. She missed all of last year with an injury, and that hurt Cincinnati's chances. She's back healthy. 
I think Cincinnati and Wichita State are clearly uh, are the two best teams in the league. Then uh, that's a problem because there is no conference tournament in volleyball. So right. you got to have a resume as an at-large, and they got to find ways to get some marquee wins out of the conference. And, you know, with all due respect to FAU and Florida Gulf Coast, that's not going to get you in. Uh, it helps you in the RPI, you hope, but this is going to be fascinating. I think we're going to learn a lot about where this team is. They're going to play. I mean, Florida just beat Nebraska up in Nebraska in the rematch of the national championship. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not saying they have to win one of these three matches and or else the season's over or anything like that, but I do think they've got to represent themselves very well and make a statement that they are a worthy postseason NCAA tournament team, and that's by pushing some of these top 25 teams. Well, um, a little note of history on this. The last time UCF played USC was in 2014. They beat USC uh, down, I believe, in Fort Myers, and that was sort of the springboard to that conference championship here that they had that year. So. Uh, if they can get one of these matches, or even better, heck, if they could get two of them, um, yeah, that would totally change the complexion of their season uh, going forward. The, the Knights open their home schedule, by the way, Friday, September the 7th against FIU and the UCF Challenge. They have uh, two matches on Friday, September 7th, one on September 8th. But uh, be on the lookout for those uh, three matches coming up this weekend in Gainesville. By the way, the Louisville match on Friday at 4.30 will be on Watch ESPN. Um, no word on streaming for uh, the Southern Cal match or the Florida match on Saturday at 7.30 and Sunday at 3.30, respectively, this weekend. All right. Uh, men's soccer got off to a uh, pretty tight start. Offensive player of the week this year, uh, this week for them, also in their first weekend, uh, Luis Perez, uh, uh, the sophomore midfielder. Um, uh, it was named uh, American Athletic Conference Player of the Week as the Knights right now uh standing actually in uh in fairly good position um they won uh at Penn State in their season opener on Friday August 24th 2 to 1 in overtime uh they went to overtime again over uh on Monday against UC Irvine in their home opener but Irvine got a goal in the 93rd minute to win it um so UCF right now at 1 and 1 uh they face Liberty at home on uh, Friday, August 31st at 7 p.m. But uh, that was an impressive win for uh, for UCF against Penn State, though, uh, considering they fell down early in that match, Eric, and then they came in and uh, and they were able to get the victory uh, in overtime as well. Yeah, overtime's been the storyline there so far this season. Obviously, the win at Penn State on the road, then the tough one at home against Irvine at home, a game that was delayed by weather. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, you know, it's early. I, I, you know, and I think with volleyball, and we're going to get in with women's soccer, it's so early. Everybody's trying to figure out what they have, and I think that's the challenge. You're playing these games, and it's a bounce here or a bounce there. So you would have liked to have protected your home field and get that 2-0 and start, but or at least get the result. But, uh, you know, split, it's early. Um, you know, we had Coach Calabrese on, and he talked about how, you know, look, there's some new guys that are fitting into the system, and, you know, that's the thing. It's tough in, in, in these sports. And, and again, with volleyball and soccer in particular, it's almost like a sprint. And you don't have as much time to all of a sudden, before you know it, oh, we're in conference play, especially in volleyball, which yeah. I think is a joke. I think I think the volleyball schedule is absolutely brutal. I think there's way too many conference games across the board in volleyball. Uh, and I think it hurts they play interest everybody in the twice. Game. I mean, it's 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 yeah, it's I don't, a I, and I tough don't, haul, man. Yeah. Oof. 
Yeah, like what? What is it? How many? Let me ask you. You're the volley. How many regular non-conference games does a team on average play? Like what? Two weeks? Three weeks? You get you get basically four weeks, and it depends on how you schedule. Like the it's all the round robin tournaments, right? Right. So it depends on how many teams you schedule in your round robin tournaments. I've seen UCF play as few as two matches in a weekend. I've seen them play as many as five. So um, it, it's. It's it's brutal, man. You're packing all these uh, matches early yeah. in the season, and and I think that was part of you know I mentioned that USC match uh, four years ago in 2014. You know, UCF caught Southern Cal at a time when they weren't they they, they traveled all the way across the country and they and like you said they didn't really know what they had. So yeah. um, and that's why UCF caught them. I mean, can they do it again? I don't know. It's the second weekend. But, right, um, but it's tough. It's tough. This is what hurts. It's tough because this is what hurts Todd in this. Uh, I know we've gone backwards on this. But the problem that, and I'm sure this is going to be a narrative on this, in volleyball, the Big Ten is going to get X amount of teams in. They're the, mm-hmm. the premier conference in volleyball. The Pac-12 is going to get a ton of teams. So to me, these type of schedules benefit the Big Ten and the Pac-12. It doesn't benefit the American. It doesn't benefit you because you're not going to get, quote, quality wins in the American Conference. And I think that's the issue that I think volleyball as a sport has, whereas soccer, I will say, they give their teams enough time before the conference starts to get yourself, as we'll get into with women's soccer, enough games out of conference to, A, learn about what you have, and, B, still try to get quality wins out of conference for that resume if case you don't win your league. And, of course, volleyball, the other issue is, they don't. Many conferences don't even do conference tournaments, whereas in soccer and other sports does, which gives teams another opportunity to either improve their resume or play themselves into the field of uh, the tournament. Right. All right. Speaking of which, women's soccer. Eric, you mentioned it. Um, this is an unusual situation because they, uh, first of all, their what was supposed to be their season opener at home against Florida Gulf Coast was called off because of bad weather. That was back on Sunday. August the nineteenth, and that I and I said it on Twitter. But that that actually hurts UCF a lot because Florida Gulf Coast was number thirty eight RPI last year, and they're one of the favorites to win the A Sun. So you lose a winnable home game against the top forty RPI opponent. Then they go on the road. Their actual ho- their actual season opener was against Texas, um, which was ranked in the top twenty five. They lose that game two to one on Friday, August twenty fourth. Two days later, obviously, they're still in Chapel Hill. They play North Carolina, who's ranked in the top 10, and they lose that game uh, one to nothing. So right now, Tiffany Roberts, the Hidak's team, is standing at 0-2 with two, obviously, very respectable losses. But they're not going to be home until Sunday, September 9th against Florida. And now they head to Coral Gables on Sunday, September 2nd for a matchup against Miami. Uh, and then Thursday, September 6th, they're, um, they go all the way up to uh, uh, the D.C. area to play Maryland. So um, any concerns right now, Elo, about this 0-2 start for women's soccer? Yes, but from a different perspective. I think the Florida Gulf Coast game hurt more from the standpoint you didn't get a game in. And I yeah, think that I hurt think them a right. little bit. I they would have liked to have gotten a game in before going to Chapel Hill to play Texas and North Carolina back-to-back. I think that hurt them a little bit. Remember, we had Coach Sahedek on, and she talked about you got a lot of new faces. you got to figure out, again, what you have. And I think that's what hurt him more. More than the RPI standpoint, I think it hurts him more from just getting a game in. And now, all of a sudden, instead, you're starting the season on a four-game road trip. And 
you know, it's early, but you know, you mentioned that home opener now is Florida. Well, Florida is really good. Becky, mm-hmm. Curley, you know, so you don't want to dig yourself a hole here that you have to try to dig out of throughout the season. We kind of saw that with men's soccer last year. We had weather issues and things like that, and they kind of dug themselves a hole, and they just couldn't get out of it at the end of the day as far as making the postseason is concerned. Mm-hmm. So I'm not saying – I now, again, I was surprised. It was pleasantly surprised, I guess, would be the word I would use because people are interested. People were hitting me up throughout the weekend about are you how concerning are or concerning is this that they lost and i'm like well it's not that concerning i mean texas is a top 25 team north carolina is who they are they're a top five team both matches were very tight i watched it uh you know it is what it is so i it's it's interesting that people are already concerned about it maybe they're spoiled from last year or whatever but so i'm not as concerned about that it's more of man i, I just you know, you go to Miami now, all of a sudden, Miami's not a pushover. Then you go to Maryland, then you got Florida. You want to, you know, you got to get some results here. And I think this next two road games are very important to get some results, get some confidence going uh, before you host Florida, who's a top, you know, top team again uh, for that home opener. Yeah. Um, I, I guess the hard part for this is like, you know, you want to get a result considering how well they played in those two games. But you're playing these two brutal teams. I mean, it, Texas obviously is pretty good coming in. Um, they were ranked uh, number 21. UCF was ranked number 23 yep. in the poll coming in. And then you play number four, North Carolina. Um, you, I mean, you push Texas to OT, and then you lose by a goal. And then you lose by a goal, you know, on the road in Chapel Hill. I mean, and they, they, and they started the season out 3-0-1. So, I mean, I, it's tough. I, it's It's... I, I I do think you're right that had they gotten that one game against Florida Gulf Coast in, um, they would have been in, they would have been a little bit better shape. By the way, uh, Stephanie, uh, the two players from the German under twenty team, um, Stephanie Sanders and Dina Orschman, they are back. Germany actually got eliminated, I think, in the in the round of sixteen or excuse me, the round of eight in the under twenty World Cup. So um, they actually played that weekend, although. Um, yep. Uh, Dina Orschman played in the first game against Texas. Stephanie Sanders did not. Um, but they both played in the Carolina game. Sanders came off the bench um, and actually recorded eight shots in that game. Yeah. <laughs> and Dina Orschman no, recorded six well. of her own. They played really well. They they looked fresh, which was kind of surprising yeah. concerning the competition they yeah. were up against. And, it, well, again, it was a very even match. I mean, Carolina, give them credit. They got the win. Texas stung. They could have won that. I mean, it wasn't yeah. like there was a, you know. Uh, I think this team's going to get better as the year goes on. My only concern is you don't want to dig yourself a hole. You don't want to be like, you don't want to start like one and four and one and five and try to dig yourself out of a hole mm-hmm. like that uh, in any situation, especially in soccer where it kind of turns into a sprint before you know it. So I think it's important that they get some results here on the road at Miami and at Maryland and kind of build, you know, but again, they got to get cohesive and they got to, you know, we had coach say, I mean, there's a lot of new faces. You mentioned the players coming back. From the international competition, they got to kind of, uh, kind of figure it all out on the fly. Yeah. All right. So they'll again their next game at Coral Gables, uh, facing the Miami Hurricanes Sunday, September second. Uh, you'll be able to watch that game on uh, on your Watch ESPN app. It's on ACC Network Extra uh, Sunday at six. Um, no word on streaming for the Maryland game in College Park. That's Thursday, September sixth at seven. Again, they await the home opener uh, Sunday, September 9th at six p.m against florida all right 
Let's wrap this thing up. Uh, we have a lot going on. Obviously, you're probably list- you're listening to this on the day that UCF opens up their uh, football schedule against UConn. We have been pumping out stuff like crazy on BlackAndGoldBanneret.com in preparation for this game. Eric Lopez will start with, or actually, no, let me start with you, Luke, since you've been suspicious. Since you've been suspiciously silent, <laughs> um, the. Uh, <laughs> Um, what do we? What do you have on tap? Uh, well, first of all, what, what do you have up there right now that you want people to check out? And what do you have on tap coming up? Um, so right now, if you go uh, on blackandgoldbanneret.com, you will see my preview for the UConn game. Uh, I give a pretty good uh, rundown of, of what to expect from both teams. Uh, no shocker here. I, I chose UCF to win. Uh, by a considerable, uh, considerably large um, difference, so I, I think uh, I think I put it at forty-five to seventeen. I got it for you, but <laughs> yeah, different. it's it's yeah. You had it down. Was it forty-five to yeah, forty-five seventeen? Vegas has it forty-nine twenty-five. So you're not probably not that far off. <laughs> no, I, listen, I was I was being modest. First game of the season. <laughs> Uh, new head coach, new play calling. Um, You're picking if, UCF to win in cover. It's uh, it's admirable. You know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> if if they drop sixty by some some chance, you know that wouldn't shock me either. But you can check out that that preview uh, on the site. I also recently did a, uh, a breakdown of the depth chart. So if you're curious to see what players you're going to see uh, get get the majority of the playing time tomorrow, you can check that out as well. Um, and then uh, I, I plan on, uh, you know, I'll have your your instant uh, recap post game tomorrow night. So uh, keep cool. a lookout for that. And, um, I'm, you know, plenty of things coming down the pipe. Eatlow, what you got? Well, we could go check out uh, my one-on-one with Otis Anderson, where we talked about his position as the, quote, utility guy. That's the name of his position. We should play wide receiver and running back, so you can read that yep. uh, one-on-one with Otis. And a good chat and kind of seeing who he looked up to as far as NFL players and which UCF player that's now in the NFL kind of took him under his wing last year as a freshman when Otis uh, came in. There was a player that took him on. So yeah, that's all in there on that article. Also posted Mackenzie Milton's radio appearance. On the Jungle, Jim Rome show. Oh boy, he appeared on Tuesday. Uh, really a fantastic interview. Props to Jim Rome, by the way. Who help me out, Jeff? He's been doing that show what since the late '80s? I want to say early '90s. I remember when Jim I Everett mean, turned a table over on him on, a, on the set of ESPN Two in the mid '90s. Well, that was a, yeah, <laughs> but I mean the guy. He's been doing that show, and and he did a fantastic interview with him. Really in depth. You know, I know a lot of fans are upset with the national media because they don't feel they know the UCF sports. Obviously, CBS Sports Network got or CBSSports.com got a lot of uh, flack, and rightfully so, because they mispronounced. They, they named, I think, in their preview for UCF and the American, they called him uh, Milton McKenzie. Milton McKenzie. <laughs> <laughs> um, which, you know, okay. It's amusing. Um, <laughs> not to mention your vote, but Rome did a phenomenal job with McKenzie. Talked, and McKenzie was very good, and he talked about you know, the, the, you know, learning under Josh Heupel and how that's going and what he learned from Scott Frost and how it's made him a quarterback and, you know, talked about why he came to UCF and, and as well as going to the Man- Manning Academy and uh, being a counselor at the Elite 11, mm-hmm. uh, which he was not invited when he was a high school quarterback. And now he was invited as a counselor. Really a fantastic job by Jim Rome and, and McKenzie was great. And I posted a recap of that interview. 
you can listen to that whole interview. So that's all on Black and Go Banneret. Uh, in the future, uh, well, you know, I'll have a bunch of other stuff. Uh, obviously, depending how games go and other things pop up, uh, as far as the Banneret site's concerned, I know I, I will announce uh, Friday. I will be on with my friend Chris Pinson again. I was on with him on Wednesday. I will be on him with him. He does a radio drive time show at 1050 uh, ESPN in Sebring, Florida. Cool. Uh, from 4 to 6, and I'll be on around 410 on Friday. I'll be a frequent guest there talking UCF sports. Obviously, he's a UCF alum, so we'll, yes, recap, he is. The UC, uh, we'll recap the UCF-UConn game on Friday at 410. So uh, be on the lookout for that. Uh, and then Saturday, by the way. I will. I will be working official stats for the ABC telecast of Alabama. You know the other, you know that other national champion, or the one that won the college <laughs> co-national whatever. champions, um, Alabama. Uh, Alabama will play Louisville, eight o'clock ABC. Chris Fowler, Kurt Herbstreit, Maria Taylor on the call. I will be working with them indirectly as the official stats guy. I will be the guy that'll be on a headset and I'll be re- relaying information of the truck. So I'm really excited about that cool. to work that opportunity. And our boy, about our boy, I'm going to give a shout out to Murph, who is at UConn. Yes. So he's going to be tweeting from the game. I'm sure he'll do stuff over there and write for the site. And then he's going to be working eternal PA for the Alabama Louisville game. Wow. So he's All doing right. a double dip this weekend there. So shout out to Murph. We need more of these Thursday games so we can do this kind of stuff. Hey, man, uh, I've <laughs> always said <laughs> Murph has got a couple things coming up as well that I wanted to get ever get get out to everybody. Got a great feature on the defense. Uh, they're finally ready to hit somebody else. Make sure you take a look at that at blackandgoldbanneret.com. And uh, and also the UCF defense addressing their skeptics, too. Um, he's got some great quotes from there as well. Uh, as far as the stuff that I've got up there, we have, holy moly, we got a lot. Um, all of us took some turns on addressing the five biggest questions facing UCF football in 2018. Uh, be on the lookout for that. Uh, I'll be tweeting some of that stuff out throughout the day tomorrow. Or tomorrow That would be Thursday, the morning of the game. Um, we will also uh, have, uh, well, mentioned, Luke, you mentioned your story. Eric, you mentioned your story. Um, we also have your 2018 UCF football preview podcast, which is up if you haven't listened to that show, where we preview the whole season. Myself, Eric, Brian, and Luke, make sure you listen to that. Uh, and then uh, also we have our 2018 season predictions for UCF football. All of us on the staff here at blackandgoldbanneret.com, we all got together, um, made our season predictions um, we're all homers. Just deal with it. It's it's fine. Yeah, except for you, you're you're, <laughs> yeah. you're a hater. I'm, you're I'm, a the, hater. I'm the naysayer. Look, he's I'm, a hater there. Man. I'm, Did you see his prediction there? I'm Unbelievable. Debbie Downer. Him and Brian here. had the same prediction. I know. I know. He's, I know. Well, someone's got to be rational around here. I, um, I got to be honest. I, I was pressed <laughs> to the. I I was. I had no choice. I mean, people. I I did get called out for a homer, which is kind of funny. Uh, undefeated, but I think Murph forced me to do this. Murph said zero percent chance of undefeated. I'm like, no way. I think it's fifty fifty at best. <laughs> so I'm putting it out there. I think it's. I think Luke, you and I are the bold ones here. We're bold. We're going undefeated I, or one loss. That's bold. Baby. I, well, well, initially I asked Eric. I said, I said, hey, what's your regular season prediction? I, and he said thirteen and zero. And I said, wow, you're so bold that you're going to give UCF an extra regular season game. And I, was saying, well, I included the conference. You know, you know what's I, bold? 
saying we're going to be in the Armed Forces Bowl. That's that is a that is a bold take. That's, that's, that's a bold. I don't know if that's bold take. or pre- I don't know. That might be more depressing than bold or encouraging. <laughs> Annapolis uh, in January, you can't beat it. Uh, um, all right. Uh, by, oh, by the way, for the UConn game, Thursday, August thirtieth, uh, kickoff is at seven o'clock. Uh, like you said, Murph is up there. He is uh, in Hartford for the game. He'll be covering it from the press box. We will have our live game thread of UCF and UConn going live a few hours before the game right here on blackandgoldbanneret.com. We're all going to be chiming in via uh, our live blog there. Um, I mean, and- I got to watch the game for four quarters. I don't want to do that. Look, This game's you- going to be over at halftime. Come on. I, well, let me put it to you this way. I... I- Yes, I will have the game on, but for the first half, I'll probably be working on, be working on putting the kids to bed. So, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it'll be kind of in and out there, but we're all going to be there live uh, in sort of our second screen experience, if you will. If you're watching the game on TV, bring up the laptop or the, uh, or the tablet. Call I'm, up just our game asking, thread. I'm just going to be asking Murph what the media spread is, to be honest. <laughs> Call up the game thread. We'll be commenting on the game. All of us will be on there uh, at uh, blackandgoldbanneret.com. And, of course, uh, stick around with Luke because he's going to have uh, the instant reaction uh, as soon as uh, as soon as soon basically as quickly before as the game ends. And then also Chris Carter is going to uh, chime in with a little uh, Sunday morning quarter. Although, in this case, it's going to be Friday morning quarterback, right? Yeah, so... Um, and by the way, by the way, mm-hmm. Jeff will be on the finish line in Orlando, 96-9 the game, around 4.17 p.m. on Friday. He's going to recap the game with Jerry O'Neill in the shot doctor. Yep, and that'll be fun. And oh, by the way, um, this just in, just in, I will also be joining uh, NBC Sports Radio tomorrow at 4 p.m., uh, to talk about to preview the game uh, as well on uh, the uh, on Keith Irizarry's show. Uh, so wow, I'll be at four p.m. National. Eastern time. Look at this. If you're wow, on, look, look, if you're make, make sure to plug the site. Oh yeah, no problem. I got to make sure that I plug the site. Um, four p.m. Eastern time, NBC Sports Radio. Thanks to the folks out there for inviting me. that just in, by the way. So, um, nice. so yeah. Look, listen. It's a big 2018 for us over here. I mean, we're we're, we're we we got a lot going on. Don't worry, Luke. We'll get Luke. We'll get you, sir. We'll get the radio fill. I did not NBC Radio. Wow. Yeah, yeah. They just emailed me actually, and 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 then we just confirmed while while we were doing this. So yeah, we're ready. We'll be ready to rock for that. So thank you. All right. So um, for all of us here at BlackAndGoldBanneret.com, thank you so much for listening. Uh, real quick, where can folks reach out to you, Eric Lopez? Eric Lopez Elo. That will be where I'll be on Twitter. And Luke Saris? At Luke Saris SBN. All right. And you can reach out to me at Jeff underscore Sharon. You can follow us at UCF underscore Banneret. Don't forget Facebook.com slash banner slash back and gold banneret. And of course, black and gold banneret.com. We are SB Nation's home for your UCF nights. For all of us at black and gold banneret.com, as well as Luke Saris and Eric Lopez. I'm Jeff Sharon saying thank you so much for listening. This has been the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast.